0: Warning, the following show contains explicit language. Certain people should not listen to this show, such as children and panty waist adults who cry like 12-year-old little girls when they hear profanity. Welcome, my friends, to the Dr. Reality Podcast. I'm Dave Champion. The slight uptick in cases we're seeing across the United States has absolutely nothing to do with the so-called Delta variant. First of all, the Delta variant's been around quite some time. It was first identified in December of 2020. So why are people confused about the Delta variant? Why do they think it's new? Well, first of all, the media continually portrays it as if it's something new and different. It's not. It's still SARS-CoV-2. There's no particular meaning or significance to the Delta variant other than that the media wants to use it for fear-mongering. The other reason a lot of people think it's a new variant is because a couple months back the World Health Organization decided to change how they name variants. What was happening was we had the South African variant, and the India variant, and the UK variant, and the Brazil variant. I guess there were complaints from these nations to the World Health Organization, say, hey, man, these variants are being negatively associated with our country. And of course, we know variants are luck in the draw. We need to change this. And the World Health Organization agreed. So they decided to attach Greek letter designations. So Delta is simply a relabeling of the old India variant, which is been with us for months and months and months and months, but suddenly the World Health Organization changes how it names the variants, and suddenly India goes away and Delta comes on the scene. It's the same fucking variant. So if new daily infections are not rising because of the Delta variant, why are they rising ever so slightly? The reason is, to borrow a line, the season is the reason. You know, I've talked about this time and time again. We have this thing called herd immunity, but there are subsets of herd immunity. So what I've taken to do is it's more clear to people's mind. I've been talking about seasonal herd immunity levels. And then when you have one season and then a second season and then a third season, so you have the virus hitting its herd immunity within the behavioral patterns of that season, eventually you get to comprehensive herd immunity, which the United States hit back on January 8th, 2021. But of course, we've just gone into summer, and the weather's gotten fantastic. Well, if you like hot weather, it's gotten fantastic. I mean, here the other day uh, in my town, it was 117 degrees. Yeah. So that's going to cause a lot of different behavioral patterns than when the weather's like 78 Uh, I'm just going to give you an example. I'm going to pull out of the hat here. So there may be some friends who don't see each other very often during the winter, but as soon as summer hits, they get together every weekend, every other weekend, and they go water skiing. It's their passion. So they're out on boats together. And if you're no water skiing boats, there's not a lot of room in there, right? So suddenly people who were not in each other's realm during the winter, even during the spring, suddenly when summer comes along and the weather gets nice, suddenly they're together on the beach, they're in vehicles, they're in the boats, they're doing all these things that they weren't together like that until summer came around. So that's that changes human behavior and the change in human behavior changes With whom we come in contact. That's why we have seasonal herd immunity, because there is a change. Obviously, people do things differently when it's 28 degrees out than when it's 110 out. I think a really important underlying question is are new daily infections in the United States increasing in any significant manner? The answer is no. New daily infections across the nation were flat and steady until the wake of July 4th. So first of all, July 3rd, July 4th, and July 5th, most testing centers were not open, laboratories were not open, and government officials who would process the information when it came from the labs were not at work. So then what happened was all that data got dumped into the system on July 6th, which caused this, if you've looked at the graphs, caused this astronomical spike in comparison to what had been happening for months and months and months before that. And then, of course, there is going to be a little bit of what I always refer to as the hangover from any sort of national event where everybody gets together, such as July 4th. So there's going to be this hangover. It's going to last about 14 to 20 days. And then we're going to see that little blip, which is all we're really talking about here, just a little blip of an increase. And we're going to see it drop back down. That little blip is going to go away. And the the new daily infection numbers are going to be as low Or lower, probably lower, than they were before the little blip. So when we talk about seasonal herd immunity, and we talk about changing human behavior, who anticipated going into summer with a change of weather, hence the change of human behavior, that we were going to perhaps see that little tiny trivial uptick? Well, anybody who's studied communicable diseases, it's, its everybody said, okay, there's a chance we'll see this little tiny increase as behavior changes. And anybody with a brain knew that after July 4th and everybody getting together across the nation, that we'd see a little tiny blip. And those very same people who knew we were going to see a little blip also knew it was going to drop back down to the same or lower than it had been before July 1st, well, July 4th, excuse me. The part that is irksome to me is that this is well-known. You talk to any epidemiologist, you talk to any biostatistician, you talk to any communicable disease expert, an honest one, and they will tell you exactly what I just shared with you now. But that's not what you're hearing from the media, and it's not what you're hearing from lying a-holes like Anthony Fauci. They are trying to cast this as, oh my God, we're going into the third wave, and we're not. Whenever we talk about Fauci, the first thing we need to understand right away before we start looking at anything he says is his motivation. His motivation is one thing and one thing only, and that is the financial interests of big pharma. Let us be clear. He doesn't give a rat's behind about your health, your children's health, your spouse's health, the health of any American. That's totally irrelevant to Fauci. You look back at his career, and that's, that's very, very clear. What he does care about is billions upon billions upon billions upon billions upon billions of dollars in profit for big pharma. That's what drives him. So his narrative right now, as I'm sitting here sharing this with you, is that everyone has to get vaccinated because, and this I believe this is a quote, because this is serious business. And to verify that this is serious business, he says that 600,000 Americans have died. This is serious business. But a thinking person would say, wait a second, you're talking history. You're talking yesterday. You're not talking about today. Shouldn't If you're going to tell me that I need to get an injection for which zero long-term health studies exist, none, zero. You're telling me I have to get that. It doesn't matter what happened five months ago. 10 months ago, 13 months ago. If you're going to tell me I need that, what matters is what's going on right now. And Fauci isn't saying a word about what's going on right now, because if he told the truth about what's going on right now, people would go, so why would I get vaccinated? Let's take a moment and compare the history that Fauci is referring to versus the current moment, that Fauci doesn't want to talk about at all because it would undermine his agenda of billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars of revenue for big pharma. So if we go back to the peak in the United States of SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19, on February 12th, on that singular day, almost 5,500 Americans died from COVID-19. Now, let's fast forward to July 11th, just a few days ago. You want to guess what the number was? Back on February 12th, it was 50, almost 5,500. So what was it on July 11th, which as I'm sitting here is the most recent date available? It was, ready? 30, (laughs) which was the Lowest number it's been since back in early March of 2020 when SARS-CoV-2 wasn't even a thing. The only day it was lower than that was like two weeks earlier, around the f- uh, 2nd of July, I think it was, where for the first time since the outbreak, the number of people dying from SARS- from COVID-19 in the United States was zero. So what Fauci is invoking, he's invoking, oh my God, everybody has to get vaccinated because 5,500 people died in a single day, while remaining completely silent about the fact that that's down depending on the day, zero, or like I said, July 11th, 30. To call that a dramatic difference is to understate it. Yet that's what Fauci's doing. He's holding up as a reason to get vaccinated, what happened months and months and months and months ago and is not going to recur. He's holding that up. He's saying, oh my God, everybody has to get vaccinated because of this. Well, at the same time, he is refusing to talk about where we're really at today. This sort of thing is one of the many reasons I think that Fauci should be removed from his position. But that's unlikely with Biden in the White House. Let me share another reality that Fauci is not sharing with the American people. He throws out the number, 600,000 Americans dead. Yeah, Yeah, that, that sounds like a pretty big number. And it is a big number. And I don't mean to dismiss the deaths of a single person. However, when we look at any adverse situation, we have to look at the number of people who've been adversely affected in comparison to the total population that was perhaps susceptible to the negative consequences. And when we do that here in the United States, the percentage of the US population that has died from COVID-19 is 0.18%. That is not even two-tenths of 1% of the U.S. population. Again, not dismissing a single one of those deaths. Uh, the friends and family of those people are probably suffering greatly, and I appreciate that. But when we look at it statistically, by the former standards of how a pandemic was defined, this would be far, far, far from a pandemic. And when we talk about less than two-tenths of 1% dying in comparison to Being injected with a vaccine that has zero studies concerning long-term health consequences? Make the decision that's right for you, but frankly, I don't get it. Did you see what I did there? One of the things that has stood out to me throughout the entire SARS-CoV-2 event is how the actual real numbers on the street almost always disprove the narrative being put out by people like Fauci in the media. And I've literally done videos where I've said, okay, so here's what Fauci was saying. And at the very time he was saying it, here's what the actual situation was and showed that what he was saying had zero connection or relevance to what was actually happening on the ground, what the real numbers were. With that in mind, I'm going to share some statistics with you so you can get a sense of how true or untrue is the establishment narrative concerning the vaccine. You probably are aware Israel is one of the most fully vaccinated nations on Earth. They have almost 65% of its population has been vaccinated. Yet, in the last three weeks, as I sit here speaking to you today, their new daily infections and hospitalizations for the last three weeks have seen the exact same little blip that we've talked about earlier in this video, as have most of the states here in the United States where the vaccination rate is roughly half of Israel's vaccination rate. So having twice the level of vaccination of some of our states here, they saw the same little tiny blip increase in both New daily infections and hospitalizations as the states here that the Biden administration and Fauci are crying about because the vaccination rates are half of Israel's. I'm just going to pose a question here if the vaccine is actually meaningful, then how could a location that has twice the vaccination level of some of our states experience the exact same occurrence? Vermont has the highest rate of vaccination of any state in the United States and as of a day or two ago when the figures were available, its positivity rate, in other words, out of every 100 people that are tested, how many actually come up positive, its positivity rate is 3.3. Now, get this, though. Vermont has a shocking high amount of people in the hospital for COVID-19. Right now, well, a couple days ago, The hospitalization rate in Vermont, the most vaccinated state in the union, they had 2.2% of its population in hospitals with COVID-19. Now, let's compare Vermont, remember, number one in vaccination in the whole nation. Let's compare that to Texas. Texas is number 37th in vaccination, way down the list. Their positivity rate when testing is... 3.3%, the exact same positivity rate as Vermont. But the far more shocking aspect is their hospitalization rate. What percentage of Texans are in the hospital for COVID-19 is 0.04, a mere four one-hundredths of one percent, a tiny, 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 tiny fraction of the percentage of people that are hospitalized for COVID 19 in Vermont, the most vaccinated state in the Union. So again, I pose the question how could this be true if the establishment narrative about the vaccine is factual? Something that enrages the establishment, the media, the politicians, people like Fauci, is the following observation. I mentioned a couple times during this presentation that there is zero studies discussing the long-term potential adverse health consequences of this SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccine. So I want to pose a question, and this infuriates people who don't want this question said out loud, and that is if literally worldwide billions of people are getting vaccinated with this vaccine... And there's never been a single study looking at the long-term potential adverse health consequences. If billions of people are getting the vaccine, as far as I can tell, what we're seeing is the study that will eventually produce results that we can look at concerning potential adverse health consequences of this new novel mRNA vaccine for SARS-CoV-2. It just isn't being called a long-term health consequence study. We're just saying there are no studies. So here, take the injection anyway. We'll see you in a couple of years. We'll see how you wind up. How you wind up in three years from now, five years from now, six years from now, 10 years from now, after you've had this novel mRNA vaccine. Isn't that the very definition of a long-term potential adverse health consequence study? It seems to me we're seeing that study taking place. It's just not being billed as what it actually is. If you value this sort of analysis based on facts, data, and evidence, may I please encourage you to run over to DrReality.News. Pick yourself up a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Myths* or Body Science, two of the most fascinating books you will ever read. You have my word on that. By you going there and grabbing something that's going to fascinate the hell out of you, you're going to absolutely love these books. By you going there and grabbing a copy of those, it helps me be here for you. Thanks a lot.